You're listening to the Take Your Shot podcast, a podcast for wedding photographers and videographers looking to grow and scale their business. I'm your host, Hallie Heather, and my goal is for you to walk away feeling empowered and inspired as you continue to build a business that you're passionate about and that serves both you and your clients well. So whether you're operating as a side hustle or you're looking for tips and tricks on how to improve and scale your business, you, my friend, are in the right place. You don't have to figure it all out on your own, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome. Today we have an amazing guest. Her name is Gina and she is a super talented brand designer and website designer. And I'm super excited for you guys to just hear a little bit more about her business and her perspective. We're going to go all in depth when it comes to brand design and website design. So Gina, we're super excited to have you on today's show. Could you um, maybe introduce yourself to the guests and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, I wanted to say it was so great working with you this past winter. Um, I'm really glad you enjoyed the experience and everything. But to introduce myself, my name is Gina Glogovac. Um, my business is Jean Designs, which actually Jean is G-E-N-E. And that is a nickname that came from a couple friends and it just kind of stuck. So that's where the name came from. I do branding, web design, web development, packaging, social media design, anything that really has to do with graphic design. Basically, I am from Reno, Nevada, and I graduated with a marketing degree. And if anyone knows getting out of school, you basically get thrown into the workforce and you end up having none of the skills that (laughs) allow you to get a job. So I ended up having to go back and learn graphic design through some online courses and basically fell in love with it and have been doing it ever since. And freelancing just came naturally and is kind of stuck. So... Man, that's awesome. Well, that's shocking to hear that you just like built all of this from <laughs> from scratch because you seem like someone who's been doing it like for 20 years, honestly. Oh, okay. <laughs> Working with you has just been awesome. So you have a pretty strong background and I would say you're someone who's super successful at what you do. So what specifically drew you to choosing to work with like branding and website design? Yeah, so I kind of had an interesting start. Like I said, I am pretty self-taught and Right out of school, I ended up working as a bartender and kind of got hired on a couple months later as a marketing director and got thrown into this random industry that I had never worked in. And so I was doing all of these designs for a beer company, which again, is not necessarily something I was used to and not really my style in general. So I got used to that. Um, And then once I started freelancing and quit that job, I really wanted to dive into things that I was passionate about, which has always been the health and wellness industry, beauty, photography, fashion, kind of all sorts of industries like that, that I always feel like kind of have a bit of a cleaner, more feminine look, uh, which I could relate to a bit more. So I kind of just started out with practicing and figuring out what I enjoy doing. And that's kind of where it's led me. So I work with a lot of female entrepreneurs. And I feel like that's just something where we can all understand each other. So it's been really great. Oh, that's so cool to hear. And man, yeah, working for a beer company, that's got to be so super fun to like do like branding and stuff for. It was a local brewery and definitely very much like a masculine branding kind of country style, kind of random illustrations, bold colors, 
very strange fonts. If you're into branding, you can kind of imagine what those beer labels look like. And it's just, it was an interesting experience, but definitely helped me grow into what I'm doing today. So totally. And I'd say like, I mean, a lot of people listening to this podcast, they're entrepreneurs themselves. And there is an element of like starting your business and like taking these opportunities that are maybe not fully aligned with like what you want to do, but it also gets your foot in the door. So yeah, looking back, like, I'm sure you're really glad that you took that opportunity and like had the experience and kind of built your resume. Um, At what point did you start pivoting more towards the types of branding that you wanted to do? So I actually, I'm trying to think of when I actually started that job. I believe it was 2018 or 2019. And then I was working there through the pandemic, which was obviously an interesting experience. And I was just getting a little restless living in Reno and working at this job. So I kind of started finding different graphic designers on Instagram that I really admired. And a couple of them had courses. So signed up for a couple of those and just started learning the ins and outs of freelancing uh, that you would never really even think about, like setting up an LLC, um, getting a business license and what to charge hourly or project-based. And basically, I just kind of threw myself into the process. And I was working the nine to five at the brewery and then coming home and working until midnight just designing and marketing myself. And within about, I want to say six months or so, I quit my job and moved out to New York. So that was kind of my very short transition period, which was horrifying to think about now. I probably should have stayed at my job a little bit longer, but I did it. So, <laughs> but hey, you you took your shot and <laughs> yeah. that was you just like going all in, which is exactly what this is about. So, I love that there always is like this element of risk when you're going after what you want to do, but um when you look back and you think, "Man, like that was kind of a crazy time in my life to be doing that." But you look at where you're at today, you're going to look back and be like so thankful that you were brave enough to to do something like that, you know. Yeah, uh, your life's not going to look any different if you don't do anything different, you know? Um, so that's I really feel like cool. You definitely need to have a little bit of tunnel vision if you are going into freelancing and really no matter what industry you're in, you kind of just have to put your head down and save as much money as you can and just trust yourself that it's going to work out. Otherwise you're going to panic. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> but you can't focus on the things that could go wrong. You've got to think through like, but what if it works out, you know, and that's got to be the thing that you like really look on. So anyway, that's really cool. Kind of like similar a little bit in a lot of ways. It's just like, okay, I'm just going to go all in. Like, I'm just going to figure it out. Um, Yeah, 100%. And actually, I started realizing that when I was going home and working on the freelance work and actually working in industries that I enjoyed, it was really hard for me to go back into my nine to five the next day and focus and really be 100% present there, which wasn't fair to that company either. So that's when I kind of realized this isn't working. It's time for me to go. I'm much more passionate about something else. So love it. Okay. So just like wanted to talk through a little bit about like branding to begin with, and then maybe a little bit about website design. But when it comes to branding, I feel like it can be really overwhelming for entrepreneurs, especially photographers and videographers, um, just to establish a good brand. So um, whether you're doing a rebrand or creating a complete brand from scratch, what would you say would be the first things that someone should focus on? So this I think is going to be a little bit of a surprising point. But I think a lot of times when people think of brand, they immediately think of the graphic design aspect of it. 
and they'll immediately go to the logo. But I think one thing, if you are looking to rebrand is to kind of look at what your business is doing at the moment and where you aren't hitting your goals. Like I like to call them pain points. And I definitely go through this with a lot of clients is determining what's wrong and where you want to be and where those little holes are. So I think that's the first thing to look at and kind of see where you want to take your business, look at your target consumer, and then kind of determine the brand personality. And then you can start looking into those brand assets and you can more accurately hire a designer after you kind of think about those questions in your head. Cool. Uh, Could you give like some examples of maybe some of those pain points, like what those might look like and then how that can tie into the branding process when you're just getting started? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I'll use photographers as an example. So let's say just because I am from the West, I know this a little bit better, but if you are a West Coast California photographer and you are looking to book some more clients, but at a higher price tag, but you are taking all of these kind of lower level projects and maybe not enjoying the work that you're doing. And then you're marketing your, those projects on your social media, you're going to keep attracting the same client. So maybe kind of step back and think, okay, what would my dream client be? And what work would they want to see on my Instagram? And potentially maybe you've been doing shoots that aren't necessarily, let's say like the beach wedding that you want to do, but you're doing something that's a little bit more city-based. You need to kind of focus and like niche down and maybe just not post all of the work that you're doing, but only the work that would like lead you into the correct direction. I hope that makes sense, but... (laughs) No, no, that totally makes sense. You're kind of saying like, choose the direction you wanted to go, like niche down and only showcase work that aligns with the client that you're trying to go after. Definitely. Yeah. And I, another point on that is let's say a New York photographer will probably present themselves differently on Instagram than a San Diego photographer. A New York photographer may kind of look a little bit more bold and darker colors, bolder fonts. Um, and as opposed to a West coast photographer who may kind of have those more neutral tones, softer fonts, that's obviously a very stark difference, but kind of just the basics of what we would go through in branding to kind of determine a direction. Totally. And I feel like the Southeast is a lot more of the light and airy. I mean, that's not to say that it has to be where it is, but yeah, totally knowing like your target market, where you're located, what's popular. Um, But I also think it's also important to like have a balance between what's popular and trending and maybe like those areas to also like your style and what you're creating, like what you're excited about. Like I'm sure... Like I would encourage people to not just look at what other people are doing, but also like stay true to like what you're doing, which is a big part of the process, right? Like you want to have a a client that aligns with uh, the work you're doing and you want to do the work that you're passionate about. And I see this all the time in the wedding industry, but I feel like um, it can be so copy and paste in some ways. Like, oh, like I am looking at who's successful and how can I be more like them? And it almost becomes like, oh, I'm going to have to make my branding look like them. I have to do this. And I think we look too much sometimes at what other people are doing and we lose sight of like who we are and what makes us unique. And that's where for me and our branding, like the whole process we wanted to go through is like, we just kind of took a step back and we didn't really want to look like anyone else. I'm sure we had like our inspiration and you had people who who uh, are doing what you're doing and you want to see like, what is it that they're doing that I'm not when it comes to branding, but also this element of like, okay, but what makes us unique and how do we want to like bring that into the mix? Um, So yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something to pay attention to is uh, 
there is so much content out there. And I think this goes for any industry. For example, like I follow hundreds, probably even thousands of graphic designers. And there did come a point where I had to kind of not unfollow necessarily, but focus on maybe two to three people that I really admire and kind of look at what they're doing and then not use that as a copy and paste or take their fonts or anything like that, but just say, okay, how is how is their account making me feel and how can I make something like that my own to be successful? And I think that's another thing that's come out now is there are so many templates and different kind of getting actually into web design. I see a lot of photographers that, that are using like show it templates. And I feel like it does become everyone's using the same font, the same organization, even though like I understand that it is a lower cost, but it is something that you can take that template and make it a little bit more your own as opposed to just looking at what's trending on everyone else's page and replicating that. Totally, totally. So going back to the branding, so kind of like establishing who you are and who you're trying to attract. um, That's obviously like the first part. I think you really hit the nail on the head there. In your opinion, what would you say are some of the essential elements now of actually creating a successful brand? Yeah, definitely. So I think, again, obviously the logo is always going to be important. It is kind of like your name tag or badge, I guess I would say. And there are different ways to use it. So you'll have a primary logo, a secondary logo, few brand marks, and then you can always kind of have those icons that I'm sure you see that look great on business cards and merch and things like that. So that's definitely one aspect. And then another really important aspect are the colors and the fonts. And sometimes I argue that this is potentially more important than the logo because those fonts and colors are going to be used throughout all of your social media, your website, also merch. And if you think about when you go to someone's social media page or website, the logo really is nowhere to be found. You're looking at the different fonts. You're looking at kind of the imagery that they're using as well as the different colors. So when you are building a brand, I think definitely focus on logos, colors, fonts, and then From there, I also think imagery is so important. Um, A good photo can totally change the look of a brand and how it's presented. Yeah, and I think going on the imagery thing, so with being visual creators, I've always had this wonder of like, are there any colors we should stay away from? Or is there anything that we're like, is there any sort of point in which like too many colors or too much font and too much would take away from being able to showcase our work on a website? Like, do you have any thoughts on what, that would be for like photographers? Like, is there any sort of like, oh, I've seen this go, like when people are trying to create the elements of like their branding, um, sometimes that actually gets in the way of them being able to showcase their work. Like, has that ever happened? Yes, definitely. This is actually a very common problem that I see. And obviously this does apply to photographers, but just anyone that isn't necessarily a designer, I feel like they become too much of a maximalist in a way where they're using 10 different fonts and six different colors and trying to add in all of those different trends and GIFs and photo overlays. And there's just so many different things that I see done where it is taking away from the work. And I think that's why sometimes graphic design can be seen as, I don't want to say easy, but I definitely have heard that before because There are great programs like Canva and Show It where you can design yourself, but there is that happy medium of creating something beautiful and 
interesting, but also still focuses on your actual services or the products that you're selling. And it's still clean and digestible where someone will go and look at your site and say, okay, I know exactly what they do. I know exactly what they stand for. I know what they're selling. Um, As opposed to going to someone's site and seeing like a video and then something's blinking and then, okay, this font's too small. Um, So I think that's definitely something that people can kind of maybe go take a look and audit their sites and say, okay, there is a lot going on. Or like, am I not showing enough of my photos right now? So I think that's something that you can definitely check. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So I feel like we have kind of talked through a little bit of branding and web design kind of intermix. It's really hard to separate the two because they do really go hand in hand because essentially those two things put together are the handshake of your business, right? Like that's usually where people will find you and um, kind of have their first impression. So I guess when you kind of shifting gears into a little bit of web design, would you say that they're in your in your experience, have you noticed any common misconceptions that people have about website designs? And do you have any advice for people just to avoid falling into some of those traps? Yeah, definitely. So I feel like I did kind of mention templates earlier. And I think I will preface this by saying I think templates are great. And if you have used Show It, which I feel like a lot of photographers do use Show It, I believe that's what it was made for, um, was photographers to present their work. But I think it's important to look at that template and kind of, instead of just copying, pasting those exact fonts, but finding something that's a little bit different. And also noting that a lot of those templates are made with extra sections. So a lot of times I'll see um, a website basically that has a full homepage with 10 different sections and kind of they can get a little bit repetitive. And I feel like it's because someone that's DIYing this is basically just thinking that they have to use every single section. And I feel like that is something that doesn't need to be done. It also, every single sales page doesn't need to have five minutes of scrolling. Um, I think people always add maybe a little bit more than they need to. And I think you can definitely always cut down on copy and make sure you're kind of packing more with a punch, I guess, like shortening it a little bit. Um, Maybe adding less photos, things like that. I think that's something to note with templates and trends as well. Totally. And also like on the on the template side of things, I think sometimes, yeah, within, when there is so much going on, I think it can be easy for people to forget about their website speed. Like, oh, these are really cool graphics. It's really cool that these have these animations going on. But when it comes to load time, which I could probably do a whole episode on that alone, um, is yeah, you really want to make sure that your website isn't too slow or that it's distracting because you could have the most beautiful website in the world, but if it doesn't load, no one's going to be able to see it. They're not going to have the patience for that. So that's a really good point of just like, yeah, sometimes you don't want as many photos and sometimes less is more. I think sometimes it can be a little bit much um, in those. And if it's repetitive, is it necessary? Can you take all these things? Um, That's really good. Definitely. I think load time is something that people forget about a lot because obviously, especially if you get professional brand photography done and video as well. You want to use all of it everywhere. Um, But if you don't size down your photos a little bit, or even kind of turn those videos into GIFs, it can really take a long time to load. And another note of that is, is obviously having a website that looks great on desktop is awesome, but you do have to make sure that it works on mobile as well. So I think that's something that I actually have never purchased a template, but I don't know 
how great or optimized they are for mobile at that point. And I think that's why when you do hire a web designer, they do a wireframe first. So for anyone that doesn't know what a wireframe is, it's basically a static version of your website. And you can look at each page with a bird's eye view and basically ensure that the design and user experience is 100% set to go on that wireframe before you go in and start developing. Um, And you can also see what it'll look like on mobile as well. So I think that's very good to know. That's awesome. What tool do you use when you um, do the wireframes? So I always used Adobe XD. And then I recently have started to use Figma a little bit, which as of recent, uh, Adobe did purchase Figma. So we're waiting to see what's going to happen with like the merging of those programs or if they're even going to merge or if there's going to be weird features added. Um, So we'll see what happens with that. But both programs I think are great. Cool. Does Figma have like a free trial? Like, is that something someone could use for DIY? Yeah, definitely. Actually, I think Adobe XD definitely costs money, but I believe Figma is free. And that is a great thing about Figma is you can send your wireframes through a browser um, and someone that if you're working with a client and they don't even want to sign up for Figma, they can look and comment using that and it works really well. So also great for presentation decks, just kind of on a side note. So <laughs> yeah, cool, man, this is really good stuff. So Gina, do you think kind of shifting gears into uh, like kind of bigger picture things? Do you feel like there's anything that people commonly miss or overlook when they're going through the process of doing a rebrand or just branding in general? Yeah, definitely. I think people kind of overlook going through strategy a lot. And I found this in honestly, almost every industry. It's just I feel like people think that they have their strategy ready to go just because they maybe have the keywords that they want to use to describe their business. Um, This also goes into when you do reach out to a designer, more specifically a brand designer, it is important that you go in with a little bit of an open mind and you're ready to take some direction. The designer is always happy to listen to kind of what you're looking for and your personal style. However, when you are branding something, I think people get too bogged down in what their personal preferences are and not necessarily what their audience is going to be attracted to. So a lot of times people will come in and say, okay, I have these keywords and I have this type of logo that I would love to replicate. And hopefully if you hire a designer um, and you're paying them a lot of money, they will kind of tell you to get rid of any preconceived ideas that you have coming into it. And they'll say, okay, we can definitely take this into consideration, but we're going to go through and look into your target audience, find the different holes in your industry and kind of determine how you can stand out from your competitors. Just a random example would be using um, a script font, for example, which is often used in the wedding photographer industry. And that may be something that you really like in your brand. But I feel like if you are looking to really maybe go more into editorial shots in New York City, I would probably say let's steer away from a script font, even though it looks great, it may not be attracting the right person. So that was a long winded answer for saying I think strategy is often overlooked. And I think people need to kind of take more time instead of just immediately diving into designing. Totally. So when thinking through strategy, what kind of questions should people be thinking through? Yeah. um, Oh, gosh. So typically with my strategy, I ask 
probably about 20 questions in a questionnaire. And then we have an hour long workshop to kind of dive deeper into those questions. So I'll ask things like, what are your current pain points? What are your selling points? Where do you see your business going in five years? Why did you start your business? And then a lot of times, I can't remember the exact term, but you do learn it in marketing. It's like, you ask a why, and then you let someone answer, and then you ask them why again, and then let them answer, and then ask them again. And you do that five times. And that's where you can really determine why someone is doing something as opposed to, oh, I'm doing this to make money, or I want to travel a lot. You really like dive deep into what someone's interested in. And then I'll kind of look into who are you targeting? Why are you targeting these people? What do you think their hobbies are? What do you think their interests are? So I'll really kind of like dive deep with that. And then I go in and analyze all that information and kind of pull it into a nice bow for you. (laughs) Totally. And I do think there, like, I've seen that a lot too, where there's like a lot of focus on like dream clients. Who do you want to be, like, who do you want to be working with? And I think that's really important. But I think what you were just talking about with the why, like, that's a huge part of strategy. And I think everyone can be targeting the same who, but not everyone can have the same why, you know, like that's one thing that will, in my opinion, always make someone look different than anyone else. And like reflecting on that and asking yourself like, yeah, why am I doing this? And why is this important? And yeah, I think that's really cool. Just like ask yourself why. Is it almost like a journaling thing where you have them like journal out why and then you ask them a why again? Or like, how do you go through the process of like getting to someone's why? So I initially ask them that question in the questionnaire. And then once I get them on the call, I'll kind of ask it in a couple... I'll ask the same question in a couple different ways. And once you get someone talking a little bit, they'll kind of like go on a bunch of rants and either the call is recorded or I'm just like furiously typing (laughs) and I can kind of nail down what they're getting at. Um, And then kind of another note on what you said about um, everyone can be targeting the same who, but it's their why of what makes a difference is if you really think into why you are attracted to certain brands or why you follow certain accounts, it's typically not because that their product is something that you're necessarily obsessed with. It's a lot of how they talk to you and how you feel when you go to their page. It's more about the emotion that that brand is eliciting from you. Um, and I think that's something that really good brands do well. It's less about what they're selling and more about what they're making you feel. Totally. Yeah. And I feel like even just beyond the brand, like that's almost any interaction you have with someone, whether it's through your Instagram stories and what you're posting and... Um, or through having a meeting or a phone call. I mean, people aren't going to remember as much of like what you say as they will of how you make them feel. And so, yeah, that's a really a good point of just branding. It isn't just the visual side or what it looks like, but it's like, what does it make people feel? Or like when they look at that, how are they like connecting with it on a deeper level? So no, that's really Definitely. good. Also in terms of um, whenever, if you did go through the branding process, I think this is something that a lot of people have a misconception about is You'll get all of your assets delivered. You'll have the website published. You'll have your brand guidelines. And then I think people kind of think that's where you get to stop. But it's like, no, that's just the beginning. Now that you have all those assets and you have your branding done, now you kind of need to start implementing it and showing up. And especially in like with the trends of where social media is going, you need to be as relatable and authentic and consistent as possible. (laughs) So... Totally. Yeah. And okay. Speaking of kind of social media, I know we didn't like talk about this 
in general, but um, what are your thoughts on like, can you be authentic, but then too curated as someone who's a brand? Because is it, is there anything against like, if you have your own branding and fonts, should you be incorporating that into every story and doing it all on Canva for every single thing you put out there? Or is there a balance between that and just using the Instagram fonts? Because I've found that I've, I haven't really taken the much time to like use my branding and fonts when it comes to Instagram stories. Maybe I should, but I'm also kind of just like, oh, this is just what's going on. I'm just going to post this and um, not really try to think too hard of how does this look like? Yeah. Where, where do you fall in that? And what do you think about that topic of social media and how to show up in terms of branding? I think that's such a good question because I honestly struggle with this in my own business. But I think that it is okay to not use your brand fonts all the time in stories. People aren't paying attention to that. I think it's really great to have maybe some branded story templates if you're going to do like a Q&A every week or gosh, what's another one? Like you're selling something and you want to do 50% off. Like I think little things like that, if you have those templated and you have them just stored on your phone from Canva, those should be branded, all those different things. But if you're just showing up on stories and trying to talk through some things and you have a caption, I don't think it's necessary. Even if you're making a reel and it's just kind of been an off the cusp video that you want to post. I don't think you need to put your brand fonts on there. Um, I think it honest, I think that's what kind of scares people about branding. A lot of times you get so many assets and so many quote unquote rules that it hinders them from even doing anything. So it's kind of like you have to find that happy medium. Um, and as long as you are showing up as like, yourself on stories and you're using Instagram fonts, but then someone clicks the link that you put and they go to a beautiful website, like that's still your brand. True. And a lot of ways, like we represent our brand through, yeah, what we're communicating and it's not always the visual side. I just feel Mm -hmm. like there's this element of just to overthink it of like, oh man, like, okay, I have all this branding. Now I have to use it for everything. And then instead of posting the necessary information to connect with your audience at the right time, you maybe delay or put it off and then you end up not getting around to it because you kind of have this roadblock of, oh, it's not in line with my brand. I can't do this right now. So that's part of why I've kind of put to the side um, just the need to always do it. I do think I could do more. I do. I will say that. It takes a lot of time to go into Canva every single time and add in your fonts. So I totally understand when people aren't using it on every single thing. I think the only note with using your brand assets properly is to not change them. I think that's something that I see people do so much. And I have to admit it is infuriating because we will go through the entire branding process. And then I will see, I will, I'll give someone like four fonts and I'll show them exactly how to use it. And then I'll check two months later and they've used like five different fonts and it's, I understand that it's fun and you get to see like all these different fonts out there and you want to test out graphic design styles and there's trends and things like that, but it, it makes the brand confusing and not as consistent. So if anyone's thinking about changing fonts, ask your designer first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. To get the input on it. Yeah. (laughs) On the topic of fonts, I think that's really interesting. So do you have any like general things of like what different types of fonts there are and what those communicate? So like, I'm just really curious about fonts and like, how do you know which ones to like look at and stay away from? Oh my gosh, I could nerd out on this. So there are sans serifs and serifs. And I think that's kind of the basics of how to differentiate 
differentiate a font. So a serif is basically all those fonts that have a little bit more style to them and kind of the notches at the end of each letter. Um, So they look a little bit more editorial, I would say. And a sans serif is the more blockier or the blockier look. So I think that a lot of times a serif is, yeah, considered a little bit more editorial, high fashion. If you think of like Prada or magazine covers and things like that. So I think that kind of gives an elevated look. But I do think that's changing a little bit now because if you look at all the high fashion brands, they've all changed their logos to have sans serifs, which is really interesting. And it's been like a recent shift. But I would say I would always make sure that your fonts are legible. That's another mistake I feel like I see a lot. And weirdly enough, especially in the photography industry. I feel like people want to find the most stylized font because it is pretty and it's like very feminine and it has a good look, but it is difficult to read. So that could be like a script font, but then you're using the script font for like a 10 word header. Like that's going to be really difficult for anyone to look at and read. Um, But if you use like a really bold, tall sans serif, I feel like that gives off an edgier feel, um, maybe a little bit more bold and in your face as opposed to a serif that's thinner, um, kind of has a more delicate look, definitely makes you feel different things. I wish I could like show a picture, but <laughs> yeah, I know it is really hard to do this over audio and video, but <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I hope well, that yeah, answered no. the question though. <laughs> no, no, that's really interesting. Um, and I feel like sometimes people like me might choose like multiple serif fonts, but not pair with a sans serif or vice versa. Like they, yeah, there's like, from what I learned, cause I, I did journalism. So I remember like when mm. they were teaching us like how to like structure your like headings and stuff, it's like, oh, it's good to have like a heading as like a sans serif and then your body text or as a, a serif or vice versa, like kind of like one or the other to kind of balance them out. So Gina, obviously you have been doing brand design and website design for a while now. From your experience, what would you say are some of the pros and cons of hiring a designer versus going the DIY route? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I have to say if you are able to invest in branding, I highly, highly recommend it. There should be... With most designers, they will have different levels of packages. Um, There will be kind of... Some people have design days um, or a less custom option that maybe takes a couple weeks or more custom package that is definitely the highest investment. And if you're able to do that, I highly suggest it because designers are the experts and they will really be able to walk you through everything and provide you with assets and a strategy that will evolve with you. And over time, it will save you money because you're not going to constantly have to rebrand. If you're getting full brand design, it should be able to last you a few years you shouldn't have to touch it very much. Like it should be ready to go. And you can feel confident showing off your business and growing it. Um, like, let's say one thing about getting branding done and having it professionally done is being able to feel the confidence of, oh my gosh, if my dream client came across my product or brand, they would be impressed. And I feel like that's just something that really helps. However, If you do need to do DIY it, which is definitely something that you probably will have to do if you're just starting out in your business, um, it'll save you money and it'll also just get you going on starting to grow. I think that a lot of times people get stuck with getting the branding done and they never actually get started and they never actually market themselves because 
they've spent the last three months trying to design their own logo. So I would say if you are DIYing it, try to just do simple, pick a few colors, pick some more simple fonts. Don't try and overstyle everything and just start getting your content out there until you can then invest in professional branding. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. And before we talk a little bit more about the DIY route, what would you say would be some ways that people could maybe do like a hybrid approach? Like maybe they can't invest in the full package, but like for you specifically in your business, do you offer any of like middle of the road options or any sort of ways to just help people kind of meet them in the middle? Yeah, definitely. So I mentioned design days, which have become increasingly popular with designers. And basically what you can do is hire a designer for eight hours and Honestly, if you have a good idea of the creative direction that you want to go and you kind of have your brand personality and keywords ready, it is very possible to get a logo done and pick some fonts and colors in a day. And so that is typically at least half the price and you get it pretty immediately. So I always think that's a really good option. And also for web design, we actually kind of went this direction where it was more of a custom route is instead of completely rebuilding your site from scratch and doing a full wireframe where there's, where it is very, very custom is we will go in and kind of do a quick refresh is what we called it, like the web refresh. Um, And so we will go in and take all the copy and style that you have and just implement some new branding. And that is definitely going to be a lower investment than completely starting from scratch. So If you let a designer know what your constraints are, they should be able to kind of create something custom for you. Oh, and I love that. I love that so much because I think at the end of the day, like we all would love to be able to hire things out completely. But especially when you're early on in your business or pivoting, it's just really hard to do that. Like maybe you've already invested so much in parts of it, but you're just kind of in the middle. Like I'm sure that's pretty common where people like get so far, but then it's just taking it home or implementing it. Uh, that can just really take a lot more time than than people realize. So I think that's good. Now, in terms of DIYing it, so let's say people are completely starting out, maybe they're a little bit more savvy in some ways and like they actually enjoy the process and it doesn't overwhelm them. They're good with their time and they want to go the DIY route. What would you say are some good places to start and then tools to use? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Places to start, I would definitely kind of first go on social media, kind of look at some of your admired brands, see what they're doing, kind of try to find some similarities throughout all the brands that you like. Maybe they all use kind of a more minimalist look, or they're using bright colors, things like that. Just try and find some consistencies. And then I would also go to Pinterest. Pinterest is a great tool and just kind of start pinning all of the different things that you like. Um, Eventually, Pinterest will figure out your algorithm. It'll take a second, but you'll be able to start finding different styles that you like. And then I would create a mood board and kind of narrow down different things and look at the different styles of imagery, colors, fonts. And then from there, once you actually want to start designing, um, if you have to use Canva, um, I do think Canva is a great tool for social media. Um, It's really great for designing all those graphics. And I do believe they have ways to create logos. Um, If you are a little bit more tech savvy, I would say try to work with Illustrator. There's great YouTube tutorials on it. 
And if you wanted to DIY it and kind of not spend too much time, like trying to figure it all out, I would pick a simple like sans serif maybe and try and keep it as simple as possible and not overdo the design until you are able to then hire a brand designer. Um, In terms of looking for different fonts, I would say Type Wolf, Google Fonts. What is another one? MyFonts.com. Those are great places just to kind of browse. So that's a... Those are some tools that I would suggest using. (laughs) Yeah. So what you just talked about was a lot of the visual sides of that. Um, Before jumping into the visual aspects, I know you talked a little bit about strategy and like questions to ask. Would you say that there's anything you would want to add to that part of it? Yeah, definitely. I think that you should definitely kind of question how you want your brand to be presented to the world in terms of think about how you would want someone to describe your brand to a friend or different emotions that they want to feel when they're interacting with your brand. Um, Are you going to be bold, edgy, or are you going to be more minimal, soft? Do you want to be a calming presence or a motivating presence? Different things like that. Make sure you're understanding why you're doing certain things. Look into your long-term goals, both financially and non-financially, because I think that's important to note. Um, Another great thing to do is like just Google strategy workshop and put yourself through it. (laughs) Um, I feel like you have to DIY it. It's obviously great to have someone to converse and ask you the correct questions that are more tailored to you. But you can find a lot of good strategy questions on Google and just see if you can answer them yourself and then go from there. All right. Last question that I have for you is, what would be your top three tips for someone who is either thinking about or about to or are going through the branding process? Yeah, um, I think the first one that we've talked a lot about is do not sleep on brand strategy. Uh, Do not just go straight to the logo and all of the assets. I think that's really important and people forget about it. Second, I would say a little bit of a two-parter, but when you are branding, whether you're going through a branding process with a designer or you are DIYing it, I would say don't get sucked into the trends and don't just think about your personal style and personal preferences. I think definitely keep an open mind. And I would fully suggest staying away from the trends so that in a year, you don't have to rebrand yourself so that it is everlasting for you. And then three, I would say when in doubt, keep it simple. Do not over-design. Do not add all of the bells and whistles unless it completely makes sense or you have hired someone that is doing it strategically and has a bit of a design eye. So I think those are the top three. And those are really good. And I think the only thing I would add if if I was going to add the fourth um, would be, yeah, just like don't lose sight of like who you are. Um, I think it's just so easy to get caught up in the bells and whistles like you were saying and just what other people are doing or what trends are going on. And just in the midst of all of this, like don't lose sight of like who you are. And we talked a little bit about the why and all of those things. And like that's ultimately the goal of the brand is to to put yourself out there. Like you are in a lot of ways, like a walking version of your brand. And so you want it to be aligned with you. Like, um, I think people who know me, like if I were to walk around as this like dainty, light and airy kind of like 
brand, like that wouldn't match up with my clients. Like I definitely have more of an outdoorsy adventure and um, kind of just down to earth kind of feel. So it was, it's just so interesting to think through of like how trends can kind of lead us away from who we are and what we're actually like doing. So having it in line with you and, and knowing your why is just a huge part of the process. So, well, Gina, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for just your insights and expertise on all of this. I think from a personal experience, you've been amazing working with as a designer on our, our, our own brand and website. And so for anyone out there who is interested in knowing more about you and like what you can do, where can they find you? What types of services are you offering? And, and what are some of those things that you can lead them to? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Um, so I am Gina Glogovac. You can find me at Jean underscore designs on Instagram. And then my website is jean-designs.com. And then I also just started something with my friend, Madison Terry, in case anyone knows who she is, uh, the Twin Flame Catalog, which is basically a freelancer starter pack. Um, you can get all the resources you need for your client experience, start to finish. Basically, you can plug and play. That's the idea. We want you to get you guys set up, ready to go. Uh, starting a business is really scary. So that's the goal. And then other than that, I do all things branding, graphic design, and strategy. So this has been great. (laughs) Amazing. Well, Gina, thank you so much for your time. And for those of you listening, thank you so much for listening to the Take Your Shop podcast. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Take Your Shop podcast. If you found this podcast helpful or insightful, we would absolutely be honored if you could take a moment to leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening on. If you have any friends who you think would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. And lastly, we absolutely love connecting with you all on social media. You can find us using the links below in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.